0: One of the main points of dispute between Reformed and Arminian theologians is the answer to the question, for whom did Christ die? Reformed people say that he died only for his elect. We call this limited or definite atonement. Arminians say that he died for everyone. We call it universal atonement. And one of the texts that the Arminians use to support their position of universal atonement is John 3 verse 16. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. They take that term world there in John three sixteen to mean every single person in the history of the world. God so loved every single person that he gave his son to die for those persons but when we examine the use of the term world in the gospel of John we find that it has a variety of meanings but never means every single person john uses that word more than any other writer in the new testament 45 to 50 times in the gospel of love alone but and it has about four different meanings at least in the gospel But never does it mean every single person. One meaning of that term is simply lots of people. You find this meaning in John 12, verse 19. Here in John 12, verse 19, the Pharisees are talking and they say, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Obviously, they do not mean every single person has gone after him. They themselves were among those who had not gone after him. And in fact, the world they are talking about was largely limited to Judea and Galilee, a very small portion of the population of the world of those days. They just meant many people have gone after him. John 7 verse 4 is another example of this kind of use. Here Jesus' brothers are advising him to make himself known, for no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. That is, make yourself publicly known. Show yourself to lots of different people so that they may understand your claims, so that they may see your works, and so on. John 8 verse 26 is another, and here it's Jesus talking I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. So one of the ideas is simply lots of people. Another meaning of that term is the earth and the things that belong to the earth. John 1 verse 10 where John is talking about Jesus' incarnation. And he says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. The world was made through him. That is, the earth and everything that belongs to the earth was made through him. He came into that world, and that world did not know him and did not receive him. And other examples of this Use of the term are found in John 9, verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. John 12, verse 25 He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Also John 17, verse 5, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So a second use of that term simply refers to the earth and everything in the earth. A third use of the term in John uh, describes the wicked world, the world in unbelief, the world apart from grace, the world in rebellion against God. This is one of John's most common uses of the term, in fact. We'll look at a few examples here. John 7, verse 7 is one. The world, Jesus said to his disciples, cannot hate you, But it hates me, because I testify of it, that its works are evil. Chapter 8, verse 23, again. And he said to them, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Chapter 12, verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And chapter 16, verse 20. Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Satan rules over this world. And Chapter 12, verse 31, the verse we just referred to, Jesus talks about the ruler of this world. And in chapter 14, verse 30, he uh, does the same thing. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. This world hates Christ and hates the people of God, hates the believers. John 15, verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And chapter 17, verse 14 as well. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world." Jesus also says of this world, again in chapter 12, verse 31, that he's coming to judge this world. Now is the judgment of this world. And in chapter 16, verses 8 and 11, he talks about the comforter, the helper of the people of God coming, the Holy Spirit And he says, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And Jesus even says in chapter 17, verse 9, in his high priestly prayer on the eve of his death, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. This, then, is the wicked world, the world over which Satan rules, the world which hates God and which hates Christ and which hates the people of God, that world which is going to be subject to Christ's judgment rather than receive his salvation. This is the world for which he does not pray. So that's three uses of the term so far. Lots of people, the earth, and everything that belongs to the earth, and the wicked world. But then there are also places in the gospel where the world is uh, talked about in connection with Christ's saving work. John 1 verse 29 first. When John sees Christ coming, John the Baptist sees Christ coming, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, if it is literally true that Christ takes away the sin of the world of every single person in the history of the world, then it must of necessity follow that every single person in the history of the world is saved. He takes away their sins. He removes them, that is. And they cannot any longer be counted against them. John is talking here about a different world. Not every single person. Chapter 4, verse 42. Here, Jesus is talking, or the Samaritans are talking to the Samaritan woman whom Jesus met at the Jacob's well, and they have been hearing the words of Jesus, and they say to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world." And I think here we have a very clear indication of what that term means in this kind of context. These are Gentiles. The Samaritan woman was a Gentile. The people to whom Jesus had been speaking his word were Gentiles. They were non-Jews. They were people that the Jews despised as not being children of Abraham, as not belonging to God's covenant, as not being a part of God's people. And these people, after hearing Christ, say he is the Savior of the world. That is, he's not just the Savior of the Jews. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Savior of all nations. Chapter 6, verse 33. This is Jesus' discourse on the bread of life. And he says there, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He gives life to the world. Not he makes life available to the world, but he gives life to the world. Again, you have the effective saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ in the world. And Jesus himself says of that saving work, I give life to to the world, in a chapter, in the same chapter, verse fifty-one, again, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. That is, which I will give, not just for the Jews, but which I will give for the world. For all nations. And finally, John 12, verses 46 and 47. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So he says here, I did not come to judge the world. I haven't come into the world to judge the world. I have come into the world to save the world. But he recognizes at the same time that there are many who do not believe in him. He has come, he says, as a light into the world, that whoever believes in him should not abide in darkness. He gives the light. He saves the world. But there is also a world that does not believe in him, and that therefore stands condemned. So the point is then, in John 3 verse 16 also, that there is a world which Christ saves, and that world is the world of all men. It is the world of the nations. It is the world in contrast with the Jews. His salvation is not just for the Jews. It is for the world. He saves men of every nation. So there is then a universality about the atoning work of our Lord Jesus Christ but it's not a universality that embraces every single person in the history of the world. In fact, of course, John keeps on contrasting the unbelieving world with the uh, world of Christ's own. He con- continues to contrast throughout those whom the Father has given to Christ with the rest of the world, his sheep with those who are not of his sheep, and so on. John has this ongoing contrast between these two worlds. But there is nevertheless a universality about Christ's saving work. It's a universality that embraces people from every nation, from every class, from every race, from every color, from every status in life, and so on. Christ's work is a universal work in that he is the uh, Savior of all nations. And that's what John 3 verse 16 means then. God so loved the world, that is, God did not love just the nation of the Jews. God loved the world and gave his only begotten Son that everyone who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our effective Savior, the effective Savior of people from every nation, tribe, and tongue under heaven. Thank you.